The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. This past week, I spoke down in the Dallas area, and on my way down to the Dallas area, I had an opportunity to to, uh, spend some time with a pastor friend of mine that lives in the area, and so we met at Cabela's um, Sporting Goods Store there on Fort Worth, because that's a great place for men to hang out. You can talk about manly things when you're sitting by a rack of guns. It's just something like, ah, that's amazing. And so we were just sitting, talking, catching up a little bit on what's been going on in our lives, and he began sharing with me his concern about where society is going. Now, I feel the same concern, and I think many of us that are followers of Jesus Christ really are concerned about where society is going. When you watch reality TV, you all know it's not really reality, right? It's planned and staged, but it's people just acting inappropriately. It's people just acting so ungodly, and and because we're starving for entertainment, we're an entertainment-driven society, we buy into a lot of things. And and he was sharing with me his concern about where we're at as a society, where where his church is at. And he said, he made this statement to me, and I'm not actually quoting him, but it's pretty close to this, saying, basically, I've been spending too much time talking about the love of God, and I've not been spending enough time talking about sin. Now, when he said that, something kind of stood up inside of me, and it was a concern, because I do understand that the importance of us dialoguing with one another out of relationship about wrong behavior. I think when you get into relationship with people, at the level that you have a relationship with them is the level that you can speak about things going on in their life. Because if we spend too much time talking about the things that are going wrong in their life, when in reality, most of us, when, even when we're doing things wrong, it is a very small percentage of the rest of our life. There's a lot of things that we're doing well. Would you agree with that? There's a lot of things that you're doing well. But when we start focusing on those one small things, what it begins happening is they begin to create an identity based upon that one thing that they're walking through or working through. And so we've got to be careful in our relationship. We've got to have conversations with one another. But more than important than talking about behavior, we need to understand who we are. We need to understand who we really are, what we have become now that we have become followers of Jesus Christ. So I shared with him the the way that I lead this church, and it's this. I'm responsible to you, but I'm not responsible for you. I'm responsible to you, meaning I'm responsible to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm responsible to you to help you understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That if you are born again, you are not the old person that you used to be. But I'm not responsible for you. I'm not going to police you during the week. Now, how many of you would love for me to follow you around this week and help you with some of the things that you're walking through? Just go ahead and hold your hand up really high. Okay, a couple of you, great. Just get with my wife afterwards. We'll see if we can work that out this week. And I'll be along, and every time you blow it, I go, whoa, 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 blowing it right there. I'm responsible to you. I'm not responsible for you. So I do want you, though, to understand the importance of obedience, It is important, and so today I want to share with you a message, and and it's kind of learning how to walk in a balance, because I recognize that I only have 30 minutes, 40 minutes, sometimes 45, depending on how long I really get the continuation going, to speak with you each week, and yet you have a lot of other hours that you're hearing other things, and so in this short amount of time that we have with you, I want to talk about who you are. 
Because I believe that when you understand who you are, you'll begin acting like who you are. But we do have to balance that with our behavior. Because you see, you have to understand that your behavior is important. Listen, your sin is not going to freak God out. The sin that's in your life, God can take care of that. But I want you to know that that sin will negatively affect you. I I watch people's lives and I watch them violate the word of God. And I watch all kinds of horrible things that begin happening all around them because of doing wrong things. So our sin is not important to God from a standpoint of it's not something that he hasn't already taken care of, but I do want you to know that there are negative consequences for us not living our lives according to the word of God. So I want to talk to you today, and I want you to understand that this message isn't going to produce sin consciousness. I'm not going to be talking about your wrong behaviors. I'm not going to be talking about your failures, but it's going to show you today how powerful your position with God is, your position in the righteousness of God and what that means in your life. So if you're there in Romans chapter 5, go ahead and stay there. But again, I want us to understand and continue to develop this understanding of what it means to be the righteousness of God, but tie that together with what God has already done in dealing with sin. Now stay there in Romans 5, but Galatians 3 says this, that no one is justified before God by the law. What that means is that none of us ever get right with God by obeying by obeying the law but he goes on to say the righteous will live by faith so how are the righteous to live by faith so for those of us that have been declared righteous we opened up our heart and lives to the lord jesus has come into our hearts and lives we received him as our savior and we received him as our lord we have a prescribed way in which we are to live our lives meaning that because we have received the free gift of righteousness we are now to live our lives by faith So how is faith developed? Well, in Romans chapter 10, again, stay there in Romans 5, Romans 10 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, it's almost as if Paul wrote that when he wrote, faith comes by hearing and hearing. It's like he wanted to keep going on with that. So faith came by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. So that means every time you come, you're going to hear the word of God. How's faith developed? By hearing the word of God. So when I'm preaching to you, you're hearing the word of God. When you start speaking words of life over your life, you're hearing the word of God. When you get in a connect group and you're feeling down and defeated, but that connect group is speaking words of life, you're hearing the word of God. So how does faith come? By hearing and hearing the word of God. So Galatians 3 says we're to live by faith, and Romans 10 says that Faith is developed or faith comes to us by hearing the word of God. So who is to live by faith? We are. Those that have been declared righteous. And how do the righteous develop faith? By hearing the word of God. Now, I want to remind you that that preaching was never designed to be a monologue. And if you want to pull all the goodness that God has put inside of me for this message this week, I need some amens, brother. Preach it. Come on. Can I tell you, the worship team, when they're leading you into the presence of God, if you're just standing there going like this, you're not pulling out what God has put into their hearts and lives. But if you begin to shout and dance around going, whoa, look what the Lord has done. I'm telling you, you're going to pull something out of them. You're going to be impacted heavily. So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Not hearing the news report, 
Not hearing what that gripey person sits next to you at work's report comes by hearing the word of God. So let's look at Romans chapter 5. Now, something that I want you to notice as we look through this passage today in Romans 5 is every time you see the word justify, it means declared righteous. Justified means declared righteous. It's a declaration of your righteousness. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says this, therefore, since we have been justified, what's that mean? Declared righteous through what? Through faith. Okay, not based on how we feel. We've been declared righteous. We've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the day that I realized and really began to realize, and I sometimes forget and have to remind myself, but the day that I realized that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I began to understand that I had peace with God. That God is at peace with me. He's not at war with me. He loves me. He's for me. In the midst of my failures, when I make a mistake, he's not sitting there going, seriously again, Richie? I'm at peace with him. He loves me. Verse 2, through whom, talking about God, we have gained access. Watch this. We have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Now notice that he says that by faith we have access into this grace. What's the grace? The righteousness of God. This grace is referring to that justification, being declared righteous. He says that because we have been declared righteous, and we know that righteousness is a free gift, right? We didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. It's a free gift that was given through us through the grace of God. So because we've been declared righteous and we receive our righteousness, we have access into this grace in which we now stand. Where are we standing? In the righteousness of God. I'm not standing in self-righteousness today. I'm not up here today preaching to you because I've lived a perfect life all week. I am standing up here today because I'm in the righteousness of God. And I'm resting confidently in that. Let me read that again. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He's saying it's time to get happy, 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 happy. Because you're standing in the right to appropriate for your life the abundant life that God has in store for you. By faith, not by our feelings, not by our performance, by faith we have access into this righteousness in which we're standing. Therefore, we rejoice. It's time to get happy today. Listen, it's easy to get on autopilot in a worship service. You come into a worship service. Some of you have been in church all your life. You know the drill. You know, you show up two minutes early or ten minutes late, depending on where you show up in that. And you come in and you worship God. And it's, yeah, what a mighty God we serve. Thank you, Jesus, for all the wonderful things you're doing. Man, I wish this person behind me could sing a little bit better than what he's singing. I'm having a hard time concentrating. Or, you know what, I can't wait. I'm going to beat everybody out of here. So the parking's so crazy. I want to make sure that I'm the first one to get out of here today. And we're focused on everything else except what we're declaring. We're forgetting that we're singing about our Savior, our Lord, who came to give you and I an abundant life, who came to give you and I eternal life. So sometimes we need to stir ourselves up and rejoice, to start dancing around, get a little excited. We're okay with that, okay? Don't run into people and slam dance, but you can begin to worship, run around and rejoice and worship God. See, 
I'm not going to wait to get happy until I see it. I'm going to get happy now because I know that I will receive God's promises because I am the righteousness of God and I now have access into everything that comes from being in the righteousness of God. Verse 3, not only so, now remember we're talking about the righteousness of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Don't you hate it when the Bible puts stuff like that in there? You know, we just want to hear, we think that the blessed life is free from suffering, free from sorrow, but watch this. He's saying that, first of all, we rejoice standing in our righteousness. Then he says, not only do we rejoice standing in our righteousness, but even when suffering comes, we rejoice because we're still standing in our righteousness. See, some of you have the mindset that when suffering comes, it's because you sinned and now God is punishing you. I do want you to know sometimes there's some negative consequences for wrong behavior. But I promise that God is not punishing you. You're still standing in your righteousness. So when you begin to understand that, you're still standing in your righteousness in the midst of suffering. So trouble shouldn't stop us from rejoicing. I said, trouble shouldn't stop us from rejoicing. Let me say it again. Trouble shouldn't stop us from rejoicing. Trouble should never stop us from rejoicing. Because whether there's trouble or not, we're still standing in right relationship with God. Verse 3, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering, watch this, produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Look at, at what suffering produces. Now, how many of you, you leave church and you go out in your life and you're constantly looking for suffering? Man, where can I go today to suffer? None of us, right? But here's what it produces. It produces perseverance. Now, I know some of your translations say patience, but that really is not the best translation because how many of you know that if, if suffering produced patience, we would be the most patient people in the world because we've gone through some suffering, right? But really, the word here means perseverance. And what this word means and what it's saying our suffering produces is the ability to remain the same. What that means is you go through something and you stay steadfast, you persevere, and suddenly when the next time this thing comes against you, you're able to persevere. In fact, sometimes as you grow in this, the devil will jack with you and you'll go, is that all you got? I grew up in a, in a large family. Wait, I had lots of cousins that were in one another's life. It's kind of like that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Y'all ever watch that? That was my family growing up. I mean, people felt like every opinion they had of your life, they felt compelled to tell you what it was. And so because of that, I grew up being chastised a little bit, put down. I'm not asking for a pity party today, but I'm just saying, man, I had some things come against me. It helped me in life. When people jack with me, I'm like, seriously, is that all you got? You need to come to one of my family reunions and really understand what it means to jack with one another. It produces in you a perseverance, the ability to remain the same. There's a steadiness. Whether things are going good or things are going bad, you're not going with the things that are good. It's, oh, thank you, Jesus. Things are going bad. Oh, woe is me. You're steadfast. You're steady. You're remaining the same. It's a perseverance. It means that because of our position in Christ, we recognize our position of God in Christ Jesus. And because of that, what we believe before the suffering came is the same thing that we're going to believe in the midst of the suffering. And it's the same thing we'll believe once the suffering is over. We're steadfast. Because you're living by faith, not by feeling. You're living by faith, not by what you see or what you feel. You see, when you persevere through suffering, it begins to produce godly character in you. See, I talk to 
fellow Christians that are going through some stuff in their marriage. They're going through some stuff in some relationships, and they're dealing with some stuff in their body. And what begins to happen is they begin to declare the problem instead of the promise. And suddenly their world begins to get rocked. Because their marriage was a little bad, they start speaking, our marriage is horrible, our marriage is horrible, our marriage is horrible. Can I tell you what happens? Their marriage becomes horrible. As bad as it was when they were at, it becomes far worse. So what do we do? We declare the promise, not the problem. We speak words of life. That suffering produces character, and character doesn't waver in the hope that you have in Christ. Listen, it doesn't mean that you don't fall down, but what a righteous man does, the Bible says, is he stands right back up. Guys, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. God, this is so horrible. Oh, fell down. Get back up. No, no, that's not what I'm declaring. God, here's what I believe. I believe your promises. It's based on the hope that you have in Christ. When you understand your position in Christ Jesus, when you believe about God's promises, when suffering comes, it's the same in the midst of, of the suffering as it was before the suffering began. When you persevere, it produces character. It means that you remain the same about the victory you're going to have as a result of persevering. And character produces hope or an earnest expectation. It means that you have an outstretched neck. You are waiting on God's promises to show up. You're not declaring, oh, we're going down this time. You're waiting. You're like a bird ready to be fed. Y'all ever watch those little chicks like that? That's what you're doing. God, I'm ready. Download into my life. You're ready to receive something. See, in other words, I already understand that character is going to be developed from remaining the same. So because of what Christ has already done, it has already produced in my life an expectation that what he did before, he'll do it again. He's saying that all of this is what we can expect when we're standing in God's righteousness. Listen, if you get over into self-righteousness, okay, this is what I deserve. Listen, you're going to get all the products of what it is that you deserve. But if you're standing in the righteousness of God, you're going to say, God, thank you. Thank you, God, that even though that I blew it, that's not who I am. That's just what I did. I'm standing in my righteousness. God, even though my kids blew it, and I'm, I'm suffering a little bit from that, God, I'm standing in my righteousness. God, even though my boss at work blew it, and now because of that, the company's suffering, God, I'm standing in my righteousness because I'm looking for you to protect me. God, I'm not looking for man to be my source. So we have hope. He's saying that because of all this, while standing in God's righteousness, even in the midst of difficulties, we have hope. Look at verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us. Come on, some of you need to hear that today. And hope does not disappoint us. In other words, what you're expecting, you're not going to be disappointed because it will surely come to pass. Suffering came trying to steal what you believe that you can have. And in Jesus' name, you stood upon the word of God. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing the word of God. So you stood upon the word of God. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for who? The ungodly. Look at that. He died not for Christians. He died for the ungodly. When you were a drug-pushing, whoremongering, lying, cheating fool, he died for you. He didn't die when you became a Christian. He died when you were still ungodly. Verse 7. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love. If you ever doubt God's love for you, look at this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible calls that love. When you were a sinner, when you were party, hardy, loosey, booty, rooty, tooty, fresh and fruity, whatever it was that you were doing wrong, wherever it was that you were missing the mark, when you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Wow, and the church said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Woo! Maybe we need to break out into another song. Thank you, Jesus. And isn't Jesus good? Man, Jesus is so good. Verse 9, since we have been justified. What's justified mean? Declared righteous. Let's all say that together. Declared righteous. Since we have been justified. What's justified mean? Declared righteous by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Now there's really something interesting that he's talking about here, and I'd really like you to catch it. The word reconciled comes from the Greek word katalosso, and here's what it means, to totally change or to make totally different. When you are reconciled, it means that you are totally changed or made totally different. Now let me read this verse again and substitute the word reconciled with totally changed. Here's what he says. For if when we were God's enemies, we were totally changed to him through the death of his son, how much more having been totally changed shall we be saved? And that word saved is the word sozo, and it means to be healed, to delivered, to have salvation for eternity. We'll be saved through his life. Now do you understand what he's saying? He's saying that when we were God's enemies, we were totally changed by God by his death. We received him, we were born again, and the righteousness of God replaced our old nature with a new nature. So he says, how much more, having been totally changed, shall we be saved through his life? Man, that gets me excited. Verse 11, not only is this so, But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now this word reconciliation here is derived from the same Greek word that we looked at earlier, but it means to exchange or to restore. So we aren't losing the meaning of totally changed, but it's actually taking it a step further to say that there's been an exchange. In other words, we gave him our lives, sinful nature, he gave us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, totally Changed. Now, some of your Bibles use the word atonement there, but that really isn't the best translation because the word atone means to cover. So if we just receive an atonement, it just means that it covers our sins. And what, that's what the, old, the priest did in the Old Testament, did for the sins of Israel. They would offer the blood of bulls and goats once a year that would cover over people's sins for a year, but they had to go back every year to do that. But Jesus' blood was not just an atonement. Now, Jesus' blood is an atonement because it does cover us, but it's not just an atonement. It didn't just cover our sins. It was a reconciliation. It was an exchange or a restoration. It was a total change. 
me read verse 11 again. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the total change. Woo! We have, amen. We have received the total change by what Jesus has done for us. His blood covered us and offered us a total change. It means that if you miss the mark in his righteousness, you are cleansed of that because you have been totally changed from a life of sin. Listen, some of you need to start declaring over your life, I've been totally changed. I've been totally changed because God's righteousness has totally changed us. What that means is if you run into somebody from your past, we all do that occasionally, run into somebody from your past and they begin saying, hey, I remember you, I remember when we used to fill in the blank, y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you got some thinking, oh yeah, here's what you need to say, whoa, brother, whoa, 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 hey, listen, that person that you're talking about has died. I have been reconciled with Christ and now because of that, I am totally changed. I'm telling you, it blows people away. My 10-year class reunion that I went to a couple of years back, actually it's been several years back, I had a friend of mine that, that I kind of partied with in high school, and I walked up to him, and, and he saw me, he said, Richie Brown, what in the, are you doing, and what you up to? And I said, well, I'm a pastor now. He goes, oh, really? I've been totally changed. That guy I was in high school, I'm not that anymore. Can some of you say thank you, Jesus? You've been totally changed. It's not God, like God tweaked you a little bit and made you a little bit different. Now, let me kind of try to fix some things. You've been totally changed today. Listen, I know that some of you are going, well, what about my wrong behavior? Listen, when you give your life to Christ, you're a spirit man, who you really are. You realize that you're a spirit man that has a soul and has a body. Who you are, your spirit man is the thing that's going to live forever. Your spirit man was totally and instantly saved. You're a child of God. You're not anymore who you used to be. But our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, it is being saved. It's being changed. There's still some stuff, some bad habits that we're kind of walking out of. But we're not going to allow be our soulish nature to drive who we are. Who we are is we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that is crucifying some wrong behavior and dying to some wrong behavior so that we can walk in all the righteousness that God has for us. So listen, when you sin, and just so you know, I am against sin. I, I am. I've, again, watched it damage people. So don't go out and think, well, I can just live however I want to. But when you sin, you need to understand that that's not your nature anymore because you have been totally changed. That's why when you blow it, you have that, that negative feeling inside of you. See, it's because you're living contrary to your new nature. Who you are is in conflict with some behavior. Who you are at the root is in conflict with some fruit, some things you said and some things you've done. But you are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what do we do when we blow it? Not if we blow it, but when we blow it. We repent. Now, I know that some of you, repenting meant you had to get up in front of everybody and say, I want to tell you all the things I've done wrong this week. We're not talking about that. Repentance means to change your mind. You look at that behavior and you go, that's not who I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it's amazing how when you begin to recognize who you are, you will eventually begin to act like who you are. 
You'll just keep speaking over your life. I'm not that person. I'm not going to look at that anymore. I'm not going to say that anymore because I'm the righteousness of God. Now, I do want to encourage you to be very quick at saying that's not who you are. Don't walk around all day long going, okay, I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm not going to say that anymore. Right? If I walk in and I walk in a little grumpy at the end of the day and a little tired and I walk all drive all the way home saying, I'm not going to be angry with my wife. I'm not going to be angry with my wife. I'm not going to be angry with my wife. How many of you know that by the time you get home, you're pretty angry? Supper's not done yet. What's up with that? Right? So you just say, that's not who I am. Here's who I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you that I'm a blood-bought child of God, that because of the reconciliation that you did, I have been totally changed. Woo! So we repent. We change our mind about behavior. We begin to read the Word of God. We read the Word of God to be reminded of who we are and what it is that we are to do, that as righteous people, we are to live by how? By faith. And we understand that faith comes how? By hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Whether that's you listen to me on podcasts and you want to listen to me all day long. I love hanging out with me. You might too. Just listening to me all day long. Or you've decided you're going to speak words of life over your life, over situations. You're going to get around some people that are speaking words of life. In fact, when you have some people in your life that don't speak words of life, you're going to have to limit some of that. Now, if you're married to them, or live with them their kids, you know, you have to work through that. But you're going to hear the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. See, some of you have bought into so many lies of the enemy because you've heard it on TV, you've heard it on the news, you've heard it on the sitcoms, whatever it is. You've heard it over and over again, so you've gone, oh, maybe that's the way life really is. We need to live our lives according to the word of God because that's how faith comes into our lives is by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Amen. So as we embark upon living the life of faith, living in and walking in the abundant life that God has for us, remember as followers of Jesus Christ, we're not just trying to hang in there until one day we get to heaven where it's going to be awesome. God has an abundant life for you right now. God's, ble God's blessings are upon you now. You are favored now. God loves you now. God wants to do amazing things in your life now. Amen? Amen. And we recognize the only reason why we get to walk in this abundant life is because we have been reconciled. I'm telling you, it's the most freeing thing in the world to begin to recognize that you're in right relationship with God, that the blessings of the Lord are upon you and chasing you down simply because you have been totally changed. You've been reconciled. By the blood of Jesus Christ. One final verse. Let me close with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. That person used to be, man, they're dead and gone. Behold, all things have become new. It means that because you're a new creation standing in God's righteousness, because of that, all of God's promises, every promise that you can find in the word of God is made available to you because you have been reconciled. You have been totally changed into who God created you and designed you to be. You're the righteousness of God. Let's go out and live like what God's created us and designed us to be. Amen.
This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.